0: You're listening to the Metro L.A. Podcast, an official podcast of the L.A. International Church of Christ. Good morning, everybody. Robert Carrió here in Metro Vision Studio A today. That's why I'm sitting down preaching, which is always a interesting thing. But uh, It's great to have everybody. Welcome. Great to have you. Welcome family across the metro region and friends and neighbors and coworkers and anybody else listening from wherever you are. Greetings, San Francisco crew. It's good to have all of us together this morning. The last weekend of 2020. Woo-hoo! I think we're all excited. I think probably the most excited we've ever been about a year ending. Um, however, As Michelle said in her class, there's no guarantee that 2021 is going to be any better than 2020. In fact, possibilities of it being a lot tougher year for many people. However, because we are disciples of Jesus and we know God and walk with him, we're not afraid. We're not, as we say in the hood, as scared, or the barrio, I should say. Um, Now we're not as scared we know that God is with us and that 2021 can be a great year no matter what happens. We can still have an incredible year and uh, we're looking forward to that, right? So this is this is it. We're wrapping up 2020. We're about to leap into 2021. And I'm not going to get into New Year's stuff yet because uh, we have plenty of time to do that in January. But I am going to wrap up the series that we have been doing uh, with the Lord's Prayer. We have been studying as many of you know, going through the Lord's Prayer uh, verse by verse, which is always fun to do because then you have time to really get in there and dig into the scriptures and squeeze them for all that they have to give us, to offer us and to be strengthened and nourished by them. So this is the Lord's Prayer and this is the last section on. So let's go to God in prayer as we uh, begin our study this morning. Father God, we thank you so much, God, for uh, all that you have done this year in our lives, Father. For the the many things that you protected us that we didn't even know about, Father. That for uh, we we're grateful that the pandemic was not uh, some kind of uh, uh, virus that had a much higher kill rate that could have wiped out many more people, Father. We are humbled by the challenges we faced. We're humbled by the challenge of even uh, having racial unity and political unity and and being able to forgive each other and heal the wounds that have, uh, that have come on so many, that have been inflicted on so many because of injustice in the past. Father, we pray that we will learn a, everything you want us to learn and be able to be a people who are united, who love each other, who support each other, and that uh, people can especially... Father, see your kingdom in our church. Father, your kingdom of love, your kingdom of light, your kingdom that is so awesome, God. We thank you. Please bless our study as we wrap up the study of the prayer that Jesus taught us. And in his name we pray, amen. Amen. So the Lord's Prayer, that's our thats our um, study today. We're wrapping it up. We're in the last sentence. I'm going to do a little bit of review because uh, we, we've kind of scattered it over several weeks over the last month. And uh, this is just such an incredible, uh, incredible passage. We're going to read it together first. And when you pray, Jesus said, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows that you need what you need before you ask. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, and and we've broken it down first the the first section the introduction and then we went line by line, and um, and I'm going to do a little review and then jump in and then then we're going to go through that last sentence that we haven't looked at yet. Um, you know, we talked about in the first sermon about the authenticity when we did an introduction to this and and we went through that first paragraph about Jesus saying when you pray do not keep babbling like pagans, you know that and he had he had been talking about. Uh, about how we practice our religion. You know, this is when he talks about, you know, when you give, give in secret. When you pray, don't stand on the corner where everybody can see you praying. That when you fast, don't look like you're fasting. Don't complain about fasting. You know, don't, don't, don't. Well, basically, he just, he was basically, it was a call to be authentic. Be real. Don't be showy. Don't be religious. Don't be, don't be showing off your religion. You know, I mean, we, I'm sure most of us all relate to, we had a relative or a friend or somebody that got all religious and was was always, you know, hallelujah and they had the bumper stickers and all the religious, you know, whatever, crosses, rings, t-shirts, whatever. And not not that those things are bad. I'm not not criticizing that, but but there's a danger in that. It's just very easy to come across religious and not actually be religious. It's very easy to come across Joe Christian but not really be a follower of Jesus. And and a large part of what Jesus was preaching and teaching was how to be authentic in your faith, how to be the real thing. Don't be showy, flashy, you know, in people's face with your religiosity. Be humble, be, have a quiet spirit, have a, have, have, have humility and, and let your good deeds be what shines and shows the world your religion, not your, your, your bumper stickers and, and you know, slogans, but your life because this is the difference between being just a religious person and, and being a disciple of Jesus. Religious people talk about Jesus a lot, flash him around, use him to hit other people over the head and to judge others and look down others. But a disciple of Jesus just tries to live like Jesus, tries to follow in his footsteps, tries to think like Jesus, feel like Jesus, behave like Jesus. That's what a disciple of Jesus is. That's what he was calling us to. So authenticity was is huge. Um, the other, so so then we jump through into the, the the actual prayer word by word. Um, of course, the first line, "Our Father in heaven," and and we looked at how this is such a gift of God that He God, the Creator of the universe, the being who sustains all life and creation presents himself to us as a father, as a father, something we all know and understand and, and, and something that we all have a great expectation for, of a person who loves us thick or thin, who, who believes in us and is behind us and supportive and helps us growing up and helps us through life. And I know that there's a lot of, you know, broken relationships out there, and that's not the description of many father child relationships. But that is the ideal and that is what we strive for, and that is what we know to be good, and that's how God presented himself. There's something absolutely special about a father. And of course, Jesus in this prayer uses the word Abba, which is well, actually it's it's, it's if it's in Hebrew it's Avinu, but but it's 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 Abba is the, the concept of father, which is such a special concept. You know, it's such a special thing, you know, to, to, to have a good relationship with your father and, and those of us who unfortunately didn't, uh, we, we honestly, we spend a lot of time and maybe even some therapy just working through that, you know, because it is such an important relationship in our lives. And of course, you know, the, the there are many scriptures about this, uh, in Ephesians one five says he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ i mean he wants us to be his children his sons his daughters in accordance with the, his pleasure and will and in, in in accordance in other words lining up with what god desires and what god commands you know that that this is what he wants he wants us to be family that's that's it doesn't get any plainer than that you know i think i shared in this study when i was 12 i was adopted by my stepdad and that was such a huge deal i had you know, I actually walked in the courtroom wondering, why are we even doing this? But then when it happened, and then afterwards we went out and celebrated with my stepdad, it was huge. I mean, I, I started crying in the courtroom and and the judge made a big deal out of it, which was really cool about me being his son and him being my father. And that's what God calls us into, this incredible relationship as father and son, father and daughter. And I will be a father to you, he says and you will be my sons and daughters says the lord almighty of course this is paul quoting the old testament you know that 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 we are all in a sense we're all the prodigal son all of us are and we're all the prodigal daughter who came home to be with the father and if if you're sitting there and you're not a christian or you're not a disciple You got to understand, God is calling you. He's texting you. He's calling you. He's sending you telegrams. He's mailing you. He's sending you email. I mean, he's doing everything he can to invite you to be his son, invite you to be his daughter. And those of us who have been baptized and living as disciples, we just got to remember that. We need to remember that. We are the children of God. And that's an incredibly important thing. And, And not only us but everybody in the world is his child and he loves everybody. That's why things like prejudice and racism are absolutely stupid and outrageously wrong. They're just ridiculous because we're all in the same family. You know, we may look different. We may sound different. We may speak different, but we're all the children of God. And that's why God hates things so uh, deeply. Things where, where poor people get abused or people are hateful because of race or 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 ethnicity or language or background, we're all his family. And and like any father, he wants his children to get along. And then we went and looked at uh, Hallowed Be Thy Name. You know, we looked at the sacredness of God's name. And we looked at some pretty cool stuff about what his name means, what his name implies, you know, and uh, of course, it's the Y-H-W-H, which many would argue is not pronounceable. Um, there is a common pronunciation, Yahweh. We definitely know it's not Jehovah, and we know how that even came about. We know the formula that made up that, and 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 that's very much in our culture, even in some of our songs, because that is how the how some of the older Bible translations put it. Because for a while, that it was believed to be the correct pronunciation. Now we know it's not correct, and and. The popular belief is Yahweh, but even that we 're not really sure because nobody ever says the name of the God of name of our God out loud, so we don 't know how they said it you know or and and we know that Jews today do not say it, they will not pronounce the word they 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 they, they won 't even type it they 'll write i 've seen papers that says g slash d they won 't even say God, let alone say his name um, and we know that 's incredibly important to honor and respect god it 's one of the 10 commandments. We also we also looked at the next line your will be done um, no excuse me your kingdom come your will be done. And we talked about the beauty of his kingdom and the surrender to his will. I mean his kingdom and his will being tied together, his kingdom being the place where his will is being done. That's the kingdom of God. And hopefully that's the church, right? When his will is not being done, then we're not being the kingdom of God. Um, but uh, we are we are baptized by repenting and living the Jesus the life of Jesus. We are baptized into His kingdom, and we follow Jesus, and that uh, we live out the kingdom life. Right? Um, Jesus came. He says the time. He said the time has come. He said the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. You know, Jesus came in. This was His message the kingdom of god is near this is the good news and a lot of times we don't we don't realize the good news of the kingdom I, I mean i think i think there's there's lots of disciples who've been around 10 15 20 years and the kingdom doesn't really feel like good news maybe they have some good relationships maybe they have a few friends you know they and they find comfort in their quiet times or their prayer life but that's about it and the kingdom it's amazing. and this It is a treasure. The older I get, and I would say, honestly, especially in the last six months, especially dealing with all the racial stuff and exposing that and, and talking about that, I realized how glorious the kingdom of God is. His will is good news for anyone who lives it out. It's It's a life of, we talked about this before, I'm just reviewing. We talked about how it's a life of love, not hate, of grace, not punishment, of mercy, not judgment. Of service, not slavery, of justice, not oppression, of faith, not fear, and I mean imagine just living in a city where everybody loves each other, where we forgive one another, when we mess up, where we believe in each other, where we practice grace and we we you know we we, we, we tell each other don't worry about it when we mess up or drop the ball uh where there's there's no fear of punishment where and we're, we're all merciful with each other. We don't judge each other where we serve one another, where there's no needy or hungry or, 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 suffering because if there's a need, we meet the need because we're, we're, we love one another and we're there for each other and we serve one another where there's no oppression or racism or prejudice or, or abusing the poor or abusing women or children because we believe in justice. And and we take care of one another. We share our things with each other. There isn't extremely rich and extremely poor because we share things. There may be some rich and some poor, but but they have not poor like like hungry or starving. But maybe they don't have as much as some of the other people do. But, but we meet each other's needs. It's a place of justice. You know, there's no fear because of skin color or language or ethnicity or background a place where there's faith, where we're, we're able to deal with all the problems and challenges because we don't live by fear. That city is the kingdom of God. That's the city I want to live in. How about you? That's good news. And and of course, what is tied inseparably from that to that is the fact that his will is being done, that we're a people who say your will be done You know, it's, it's a, this, Jesus put this in the prayer for a very specific reason, because we have to make that decision. We have to make that commitment to God, your kingdom come, your will be done. And of course, that's what makes the kingdom come. That's what opens the door for the kingdom. You know, that's, that is why, literally why Jesus came. He tells us that, right? Um, And then of course we go, we went through the next line on earth as it is in heaven, talking about. Um, his kingdom being now not someday in the future not after we die but now that that we can we can bring in the kingdom and establish the kingdom by practicing those things by living out this the fruits of the spirit love peace joy kindness we can we can actually uh, bring the usher in the kingdom it definitely should be in our homes we can bring it to work we can take it to school we can we can present it in our neighborhood we we can be all that in colossians 111 i love this just just listen to this just close your eyes and listen to this what 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 god is saying through the apostle paul he says we continually ask god to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the lord And please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, so that you may have a great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in his inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Brought us, past tense. Brought us, past tense. Not going to bring us. Not someday we'll have the kingdom of God. He's saying he's brought us into his kingdom. It already happened. It happened. We were invited and the door was open to us the day we were baptized. Baptized. We we were ushered in now that that doesn't mean everybody's living it. That doesn't mean everybody's aware of it for sure. But that's part of spiritual growth. That's part of growing up spiritually where we learn to live by the fruits of the spirit. Jo- love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and of course, good old self-control. And those are those are the fruits that come from the spirit of God that he places in us when we get baptized. And in, his, in a sense, you could say it's our passport to the kingdom of heaven. But you got to know all this, and you got to live all this intentionally, and and that's what the prayer. That's why he wanted us to be praying about this. And then, of course, he prays, "Give us today our daily bread." You know, and then remember that sermon we talked about. What does that daily bread represent? It. It. It, re, it. And we referred back to the Exodus when the when the Hebrews came out of Egypt and they were crying out to the Lord because they thought they were going to die. The, this prayer meets the, our fear of of not having, our fear of scarcity, basically, of not having food, not being able to take care of our kids, not having money, not having the re- resources. And, of course, that was a big deal this year as we all, you know, went through the craziness of, are we going to run out of toilet paper? I still don't understand why toilet paper became such an issue. But, but our fear is showing up to the grocery store and seeing this empty shelves. That's our fear. Oh no. How will I feed my family? How will I take care of them? What if there's no medicine when I need it? What if, you know, what if, what what if I can't find meat or milk or for my child or whatever? That, that's a deep down fear. So it's really a, a, a verse about trusting God, putting our faith in God. And, and, and we talked about faith is, is not belief. Please, it's so much more than belief. It's trusting in, it's relying on, it's, it's putting your hope in, it's depending on, it's being content in, it's being accepting to something or accepting it. It's, it's understanding that, that this, is, it's putting our hands in, his, in, our lives in his hands. And there in his hands, in him, we find the result is shalom, peace, the peace of God. The peace that transcends understanding, you know, and if we don't have it, we get people focused, event driven, fearful, worried, anxious, angry, resistant, and the result is we quit. And that's, that's, that's no way to live as a Christian. We we want to be on the other side, right? We want to practice those so that we do live our life in shalom. And then we ca- talked about the last uh, section here, which is a pretty big deal is forgiveness. You know, it's interesting if you think about what were the topics. Jesus is teaching us to pray. And what are the topics? Well, there's the kingdom, there's trusting, there's faith. Of course, we would expect that. But it's interesting that he puts forgiveness in there. Forgiveness. And what I realized as a disciple, that forgiveness is essential. Essential. Absolutely essential. Absolutely necessary for the community of God to function because we're a bunch of sinners trying to be connected to each other. And I always relate it to a dance floor, a packed dance floor at a wedding. Man, your feet get stepped on. You know, somebody's going to hurt you because there's a bunch of us in a tight space. Even though we're trying to be good, we're trying to be like Jesus, we're going to mess up. And of course the world hurts us. The people of the world, the situations in the world, and there's some pretty pretty horrible things that that happen to people and and many of us listening today have had some pretty horrific things happen to us and 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 it's a tall order that Jesus calls us to forgive each other, to forgive one another and he, and he talks about but it's not just for the community it's also for ourselves for the for the, for our own peace. For our own spirituality to be free of hatred or bitterness or anger, um, I quoted Buddha, <laughs> which you never normally hear in a sermon. But uh, there's there's a phrase: holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at someone else. You are the you are the one getting burned, and I think that's that's very true. I think it's very true. Is that when we don't forgive, we are the ones that get hurt. We're the ones that suffer, end up suffering. And, you know, key things Jesus said, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. You know, it's incredibly important that we understand that how we treat each other has everything to do with how we are treating God in our relationship with God. Our relationship with one another affects our relationship with God. In fact, so much so that God says, you know what? Just leave your gift and go get right with each other. Go get right with your brother or your sister. Then come back and let's connect. That's how high of a priority it is to God. And then in Matthew 18, 21, 22, we read, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I did not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. Whoa. Obviously, it's not the mathematical number he's preaching here. It's the fact that, it, that we just keep, we need to keep forgiving each other. And I know that sometimes, some hurts are pretty bad. And, and we talked about, you know, it, it, forgiving each other does not depend on the other person realizing how wrong they are and them uh, asking forgiveness. Forgiving somebody is between us and God. That's what I do because of who I want to be for God, not because of how other people treat me. Whether they recognize their wrong, whether they recognize their sins or not, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, it would make me feel better if they did see, if somebody who hurts me sees their wrong and apologizes for it, that makes it a whole lot easier to forgive them. But even if they don't, I can forgive somebody without ever accepting without ever approving, without ever uh, in any way saying it's okay. I could still say it's absolutely wrong. It was a horrible thing, but I'm not going to live in hatred, anger, or bitterness. I'm going to forgive you and pray for you. And of course, that is what Jesus did. Even on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And oftentimes, people who hurt us don't know what they're doing. And that's the truth. Then now we come to our last verse. And don't worry, this isn't a whole full sermon. We're, we're wrapping it up here. But but there is a few key important things in this end of this prayer. And he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You know, this is really about testing and about dealing with evil. That phrase, why don't you just listen to it? lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one you know there's a whole lot there um we're at, the, the prayer ends with jesus with asking god and jesus telling us to ask god uh not to lead us into temptation now it's important you that you know that the word for temptation it's a little different than the word we think of temptation we think of temptation as being lured into sin. You know, being somebody you know, that, that that key word lured, I don't know exactly how you say it, lured into sin. That God is that somebody entices us into sin. He says, do not but that's that's not the that's not what the meaning is here. This word, perasmon perasmon, has more to do with a test, like Please don't let us be tested on this. Please help us not to be tested. Um, you think about, you know, I think about how Satan led Jesus. Well, Jesus went into the desert and Satan tried to lead him into sin. Satan tried to test Jesus. and it wasn't that Satan had the power to lead him. At no point did Satan ever lead him. Um, but he did test him. And that's the idea is help us to not be Tested, and to deliver us or rescue us—it's a strong word, uh rûmai. Uh, it's a strong word of you know rescue us, pull us. It's like the idea is like somebody grabbing somebody out of the ocean who's been floating and pulling them into the boat. Rescue us, God. Rescue us from what? The evil one. It says in English, and actually in the Greek, there's no article there. So some scholars would even say it's just evil in general. But he says, um, he says. Evil one, so it's 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 pretty much implied it's Satan, but it's also you know, and oftentimes you'll see this in scripture that there there can be two meanings and both apply. So it's evil in general, and it's the evil one who is Satan, right? Or or, or the devil he's called sometimes the diabolos. The two, it's literally it's the two tongued one, the one who 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 lies his, uh, to us. So so lead us, help us not to be overly tested. You know, and and testing can refine our faith. Too much testing can crush us, and there's an appropriate amount. and And so, he so the prayer is, God, help me not to be overly tested. Help me not to have too much. And the great thing is that God promises that 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 He will not allow us to 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 be tested more than what we can bear, and always provides a way out. He always does. But testing is not always bad as long as it's appropriate amount. This year, we've all been tested, you know, in an appropriate way, but we've not been overly tested. And sometimes, you know, that's that can go in our thinking. We're afraid of any kind of testing. Oh no, you know, testing is going to, I'm going to get crushed by it. Well, we won't be crushed by it. And, and God is not going to tempt us into sin. In fact, James made that clear. He said, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. And that prayer also touches that, that sometimes we're just not very smart and we allow ourselves to be tested in ways that we shouldn't be doing. We shouldn't be. And that's where that testing becomes a little more tempting than it is testing. You know, uh, as a, if you're a young man, young single man, and you're on your computer at midnight, you're setting yourself up to be not just tested, but tempted as well. Or if you're, you know, if you're, if you have an alcoholic background and you're meeting a friend at a a bar or even a pub, you, you, you're, you're testing and you're venturing into tempting, you know, you're venturing and you're crossing that, that frontier into where you're just tempting yourself. And you really shouldn't be doing that. You know, anybody, we we should all be aware of our weaknesses and what situations we need to stay out of. What kind of movies we don't need to watch. What kind of music we don't need to listen to. How to keep ourselves pure and protect our hearts and our minds. And that's going to be different, a little bit different for everyone. But also, it means that we need to be aware of the community. It's scary sometimes how uh, holiday parties and stuff, there's a lot of alcohol there, even at disciples' parties. And unless you know everybody there does not have an alcoholic problem, does not have an addiction problem, then you are the instrument that is tempting your brother or sister. Then you are doing, really, Satan's work by by tempting your brothers and sisters. So I think, Christians, we need to really be careful about that we're not the evil ones tempting our brothers and sisters, you know, by just pouring freely. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I mean, honestly, just on a personal level, I don't understand the purpose of hard alcohol in any disciple gathering. I mean, hard alcohol is one purpose to numb you out and get you drunk. That's the purpose of hard alcohol. That's why the alcohol is so high and the content is so high because it'll quickly get you drunk. I understand having a glass of wine, Jesus drank wine, Uh, I understand having a beer, you know, it's, it's, I don't know if Jesus ever drank a beer, but, but you know, it's, 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 it's very comparable to wine. But when we start serving hard liquor, we are sure acting a lot like the world We're we're very, we're, we're messing with fire and it's very easy to cross from testing to tempting. And so we just got to be careful. We just got to be careful. We've got to be wise. We've got to love each other. And anytime you have a gathering of more than four or five people, you can pretty much count on somebody in that group has an alcoholic background or some kind of an addiction problem. So, you know, it's just, it's just good that, that we'd be aware of that. We'd be sensitive to our brothers and sisters, and certainly that we don't want to be the evil one tempting them. So the prayer is lead us not into temptation deliver us, you know, rescue us from the evil and help us not to be in those situations. Again, there's good testing that refines us, like Peter talked about, that purifies our faith. And then there's bad testing that crosses into tempting. It's just temptation. And that's the one we got to stay out of. And that's what we're praying for as we close out our prayer. You know, here's the promise from God. Submit yourselves then to God Resist the devil and he will flee from you. This is awesome. This is a promise. If you don't give in to the devil, if you don't give in to Satan and you resist him, he'll flee from you. But if you don't resist him, you know what's going to happen. He's going to drag you into sin. He's going to tempt you and drag you right into it. So that's the closing of the prayer. You know, deliver us from the evil one. That's, I love that. Deliverance, deliverance. There's a really cool song in the Prince of Egypt, you know, deliverance, you know, I can't sing, but, but there's a lot of great music in that. You get a chance, just pull it up on Spotify or whatever you use to listen to music and, and just listen to that soundtrack. What a great, what a spiritually inspiring soundtrack. And that song, when you believe, Whoa, that song is so awesome. Um, but deliverance, that's what God does. He delivers us. He rescues you and I, and that concludes the prayer. That's, that's the end of the prayer. You know, it's a prayer to save us, to rescue us, to give us hope, to give us a future, to give us life to the fullest, even now, not off in the future someday. to to bring us into his kingdom. He is, Jesus knows us. I mean, what, what makes this prayer so incredible is it meets so many of our basic heartfelt needs that we have, needs that oftentimes we're not even aware of, but they're there. And he is the master. He is the creator. He designed us and he made us in his image and he knows how we function. I think if we pray this prayer, and we try strive to live it out, it will radically revolutionize our lives in great ways. I close out with a with a um, illustration. I said it, and this was part of one of the earlier uh, uh, lessons on this prayer. You remember the the old guy? It uh, was an auction, and they were trying to auction off an old violin. And nobody wanted it. It looked worn out. It didn't look good. It was. It was. It just didn't look good at all. And nobody w- wanted to purchase it. And then an old man walked up, picked up the violin, and began to play. And he played the most beautiful music. It just mesmerized everybody in the room. Everyone was in awe at the sound that was produced by this old violin. Then he put it down. And the auctioneer picked it up and said, okay, who will start the bidding? And everybody's hands went up. Oftentimes, you don't know the value of something until you see it in the Master's hands. Our lives in the Master's hands, in Jesus' hands, are a beautiful thing and a wonderful experience. But we've got to put ourselves in His hands. We've got to pray his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God bless you and when coming You've just listened to the Metro LA Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.